Hey guys, I'm Alexia. And I'm Ginger. And And we're we're your History History Queens. Queens. So today's episode is really exciting because it's our part two on Mary Queen of Scots. Yay. And this part of her life is extremely I chaotic. Like it's, that's just it's the only way to, full of only way to put it. Insane engagements, death, and so much. Oh, assassinations. Mm-hmm. But I think before we get into it, we should just talk about where we left off in yeah. the last episode. So, um, in our last episode, Mary's husband, Francis, had just died, and she was no longer Queen of France, so she decided to head back to Scotland and rule in her own name. Mm -hmm. So, that's where we are now. All right, so let's get into it. So, on August 14th of 1561, Mary left France to return to her home country of Scotland. When the ship left the port, Mary was reported to burst into tears because she was essentially leaving the life that she had known since she was five years old. She left in a fleet that was commanded by the Earl of Bothwell, which is very important to know because this man becomes incredibly relevant later in Mary's life, so keep that name in mind. The journey must have luckily been very easy because they actually arrived only five days later, which is an incredibly short period of time considering how long that trip was. It's like record-breaking. Yeah. So they arrived in the port of Leith, and no one was really ready for her arrival because they didn't expect her to be on her way back to Scotland in only five days. So she had to stay at a local merchant's house until her half-brother James could meet her to escort her into Edinburgh. Yeah, so she finally um, made official entry into Edinburgh on September 2nd, 1561, and the people were just so excited to finally see their own queen. Mm -hmm. She hasn't been there since she was five years old. Um, People crowded the streets, and she was gifted keys to the city, the Book of Psalms, and a Bible. And she hosted banquets for her return. Um, This is a really funny, funny story. I think it's so cute. She's so cute. Um, so after the banquet, she excused herself to go to bed, and an amateur band of 500 men continued to play out of tune outside of her window all night, and instead of being a bitch the next Mm -hmm. day, she woke up and kindly thanked them. How sweet. (laughs) She's so cute. And something to think about is that this girl is literally 18. Like, she is... Younger, younger than, than us. us. When I was 18, I was a menace. Like, I was, yeah. like, sort of crying and screaming at these men for keeping me awake. But she was just so, like, cordial and sweet. Like, yeah. she just, I mean, she was raised to be a queen. She's just a... a she was born for it. Yeah. I she mean, was born well, yeah. for it. So, let's get to Mary's, you know, her new digs now that she's finally settled in Scotland. So, she lived in the beautiful Hollywood Palace, which was located on the Royal Mile in Edinburgh, which is one of the most beautiful parts of the city. She actually had her apartment in the west wing of the palace, which was modeled after French court. So, this really helped Mary kind of feel more at home because it was an environment that was really similar to the environment that she had been growing up in since she was five years old. Yeah, so... Almost immediately, uh, Mary really got into got into business, got into mm, politics. Working woman. While Mary was away in France, there was this man, John Knox, who uh, led the Reformation in Scotland. He was a Scottish minister, 
And he was not too kind to Mary's mom or to Mary herself. He mm. actually wrote this book called The First Blasts of the Trumpets Trumpets Against the Monstrous Regiment of Women. It's mm. a mouthful. But, um, yeah, he... He really, he hated women ruling, and he hated Catholics ruling. So this book itself was an attack against the rule of women, and he argued that women ruling goes against the laws of God and nature. And the women that were specifically singled out inside this book was Mary I of England, Marie de Guise, Mary's mom, and Mary herself. Um... Instead of opposing these queens on religious or individual grounds, he attacked their gender and the idea of female rule widely, oh which is just so frustrating. Yeah. I mean, if we're using his logic, if it goes against the the idea the of God's idea divine idea, yeah, yeah. why did God make Mary the only legitimate exactly. heir? Exactly. I mean, at this point, it's it's very obvious that it actually had nothing to do with religion and a whole lot to yeah. do with. Hating women and, you know, loving men because he's giving, he's only focusing on, like, the fact that they're women and not really giving too much, like, importance onto the religious matters of it. John Knox is just such a frustrating He's quite a, quite a guy, yeah. So, getting back into politics, um, on September 4th, 1561, Mary um, decided to confront him in person. Slay. And they immediately got into an argument. She says, say it to my face. Come on. She's like, um, you say it not in person, say it to my face. Like, Mary stated that Knox incited a revolt in her absence, and Knox stated that everything he was doing was the duty of God. Of course. And the two screamed at each other for a pretty uh, pretty long time. What a queen. Like, 18. Like, yeah. Let's make it clear. He was an old man. 18-year-old Mary is screaming and getting into a screaming match with this, you know, powerful Protestant 18... Oh, no, how old was he? he I'm was, sure. He was probably, probably like over 40. 40-something-year-old yeah. man. Like, what a girl boss. Like, yeah. can we, like, just like think about that for a second when mary left she wouldn't well, not when he left mary was so angry that she bursted into tears of course but thankfully while he was in the room she hadn't shown weakness Ugh, and knox her. even admitted to an english advisor that mary proved to be his equal in the fight wow well, that's such a girl boss she move. is such like she's the epitome of a girl boss. i mean when you think about it mary hasn't gotten the chance to rule on her own yeah. at all in scot in france she had no say in the government because it was all done through regency yeah and now she's finally getting that and she's proving herself to be exactly. pretty good at it exactly so now let's fast forward a few months to december of 1561 so, Mary went on progress to meet the people of her country, and progress is when the king or queen travel throughout the country and meet their people and the nobility of the country. This is really important because it helps the ruler more deeply connect with their subjects, and it just grows in admiration for them. So, Mary was coming into being queen very, very well. The people really loved her because they were just so excited to finally have their sovereign in their country for the first time, and like, 15 years at this point. I mean, I would be pretty tired of regent after regent. I would just want my divine sovereign to finally come to power. And I think that was really exciting for them. Yeah. So, um, getting back into politics, it was around this time that Elizabeth wanted Mary to resign the Treaty of Edinburgh. Um, 
because she wasn't giving the chance to sign it in the first place. If you mm-hmm. remember back to the first episode, this is the treaty that was signed between the lords of the congregation and Elizabeth, mm-hmm. saying that um, Mary can no longer call herself the Queen of England. And all this was done without Mary's approval, mm-hmm. insight, none of it. So it was really embarrassing for Mary at the time. Yeah. And Elizabeth wanted her to sign it. But Mary refused um, to sign it in its original form because she wanted Elizabeth to add a clause stating that Mary is her heir. Elizabeth famously never um, declares an heir because... Mm, virgin she, queen. Well, yeah. She's also very paranoid that declaring an heir would make somebody uh, kill her. It would give them like the idea of, oh, that's the person I want on the throne next yeah. in line. Let me kill Elizabeth and she'll become the queen. Um, I mean, the logic is there, kind of, because it's, like, imagine, like, being in her position, like, everybody would be pining for her power because it was so fragile being in the hands of a woman. So a part of me does, you know, understand where she was coming from with that. Mary knew that the Protestants and John Knox were conspiring with Cecil, Elizabeth's advisor, to make her rule weak. And if Elizabeth made Mary her heir, it would legitimize Mary's rule and... Knox would be forced to stop. This is like a be- very important point because I feel like in history when people talk about Mary, they always say, oh, well, she just wanted the power. She mm-hmm. wanted Elizabeth's power. Ugh. But she really, really needed this. I mean, from day one, her nobles were conspiring against her the mm-hmm. second she landed there um, because she was Catholic and the majority of them were Protestant and she was also a woman. Yeah. But having the protection of England and Elizabeth would have really made her have such more stable have a such more stable life in scotland like it's like i think the rhetoric is kind of that mary like you said was coming to elizabeth with this request for you know some sort of like desire to have more power but no it was out of desperation i mean like she was desperate to escape these people that were constantly threatening her power as sovereign also like when you think of it it is her birthright. I mean, yeah, she I know, had a very strong claim to the English I mean, throne. Yeah, I know we don't think of it in that way now because we are not like our lives aren't centered around monarchy. But yeah. at that time, monarchy was legitimate. It made sense, mm-hmm. and Mary saw that she was the next person in line. They wanted to bypass her and make. Um, I think we'll get into it a little bit later, but make the offspring of Mary Tudor. Princess Mary Tudor's children next in line to the throne mm-hmm. ahead of Mary, but that's not how it worked. Mary was the granddaughter of Margaret Tudor, the oldest daughter of Henry VII, so she deserved to be next in line. Mary um, really wanted to meet Elizabeth in person to convince her, but oh yeah, this is where we talk about it. But um, because Henry VIII's will states that if his children die without heirs, then the throne would pass to Mary Tudor's children, Catherine and Mary Grey. Elizabeth actually really hated these women. Um, mm-hmm. She preferred Mary's claim. And also, Mary was a queen. She knew how to rule already. It would make more sense for her to become queen yeah. of England. And also, it would unite the Scottish and English thrones. There's been so much fighting and war and mm-hmm. all this stuff. Like, it would just be, you know. And it's something, uniting the two countries is something that you know, had been in the works for a while. I mean, the Treaty of Greenwich was literally made to kind of help unite them. And Mm -hmm. that was, you know, like almost two decades ago at this point. Yeah. Um, After much bargaining, Elizabeth actually agreed to meet Mary in York in August or September. 
But sadly, back in France, Mary's uh, Guy's uncle, getting into trouble, as per usual... Of course. ...killed 23 Huguenots (laughs) and wounded over 100, so... Elizabeth was like, yeah, you know, maybe we shouldn't meet. Your uncle's over there killing Protestants. It's not going to make you look good. I mean, valid, valid. Yeah. These geese men just can't stay Um, out of trouble. Like, oh my god. Oh, it's it's horrible. So, this caused Elizabeth to postpone their meeting until next year. But then, um, the wars of religion broke out in France, and Mary's geese family led the Catholic side. So... She didn't know, Mary didn't know what to do because she couldn't support her family because Protestant Scots and Elizabeth would be angry, but then if she didn't protect her, or side with her family, the Catholics would be angry. Um, so this was a really sticky situation. Yeah, she was caught in the middle, like, completely. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth actually ended up sending aid to the Huguenots. The Huguenots are the Protestant French. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So... The support for Mary's claim to the English throne was low among Elizabeth's advisors, so she needed to find a marriage that would make it stronger. So now we're back into another husband's search. It just felt like we were we were just on the last we one. We were just like, on the <laughs> last one, and then he suddenly passed, and now we are on to another one. So, Elizabeth made a very famous offer to Mary that Mary would marry an Englishman of Elizabeth's choosing, and then, under that condition, Elizabeth would make Mary her heir. However, there were a lot of kind of complications when it came to who would best suit Mary as a husband, because if Mary were to marry a foreign sovereign, that would leave Mary as a part-time wife. But then if Mary were to marry a subject of Scotland, that would create jealousy as it was assumed that a husband would then have sovereign power. There was also, like, even just excluding husbands and kings and whatnot, the clans of Scotland have been worn with each other, hating each other for so long. Since, like, forever. Could you imagine if she married a well-known, whatever, clansman? From whatever clan, yeah. Yeah, there there would be just so much jealousy going on between them. Mm Mm-hmm. And then a further issue is that, you know, on the kind of religious end of things, marrying a Catholic would just alienate the Protestant Scots, and then marrying a Protestant Scot would alienate her own family. So Mary was really caught in the middle of deciding who would best suit her as a husband. So John Knox, uh, the famous little little chap, (laughs) essentially would not accept a Catholic marriage because he was going on and publicly saying that a Catholic marriage would be detrimental to the Protestant Scots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I hate women, was, you know. He him was, like, really getting... He would give these sermons and rile up all, like, these people that would come Against to the sermons. Against her, yeah. Yeah, there was nothing to be scared of. I mean, mm-hmm. Mary, from the, the moment she landed on Scottish soil, she said that she would not infringe upon a Protestant's right to practice their religion. She wouldn't change the fact that Protestantism was the dominant religion of Scotland. Which was a very kind of, like, new thing for the time. Like, people didn't, like, promote that much religious freedom as no. sovereigns at this time. This was huge for I know. Her. If you look at, like, major, like, Catholic uh, monarchs like Mary Tudor and mm-hmm. Philip of Spain... They were prosecuting Protestants mm-hmm. for being Protestant. So this was really revolutionary. It's a very, like, modern idea. I mean, honestly, Go just girl. a girl, girl boss. Girl boss, essentially. So there were a few kind of potential matches for Mary. 
So Don Carlos was sort of one of the front runners. Um, he was the son of Philip II of Spain and was considered again because he was already considered for her first marriage when she was a little baby. I think so, we talked about him in the last episode. He yeah. uh, he had some, some mental problems. He was a little problems. crazy. Yes, because yeah. he fell down a flight of stairs. Poor guy. And uh, had a head injury. So Mary did send an ambassador to talk with Spain about the possible match, but because of, you know, his... His issues probably wasn't seeming like the best case for her as queen. Yeah. So another match was Charles II, Archduke of Austria. He was also considered, but he wasn't very powerful. He wasn't, you know, very high ranking. So he also wasn't much of a front runner for her husband. Elizabeth clearly stated also that these two matches would be unfriendly. So instead, Elizabeth wanted to, her to marry Lord Robert Dudley. Like, I want to know what was going on. <laughs> like, what is going on through her this? head? Because she regrets it. She's like, oh, let yeah. me take that bag later yeah. on. So, like, what were you thinking, girly pop? Like, anyway. So, Dudley, as many people know, was Elizabeth's famous lover and the son of a traitor. There were also rumors that Robert murdered his wife so that he could marry Elizabeth. And he's obviously not high-ranking enough to suit the Queen of Scotland. So, naturally, Mary was really appalled and insulted by this. I mean, I would too. I want to be in the room when she, like, opened that letter I and know. saw that. Like, the look on her face must have been like, are you kidding I, me? Her jaw must have dropped to the, to the floor. ground. Like, yeah, like I, I can't believe not. it. So, obviously, Mary was a queen, and Dudley was a commoner, so the fact that Elizabeth would even, like, consider this as a potential match is very insulting to her power. However, Mary was appalled. Yeah, she was appalled, but Mary, being the little nice, wonderful girl boss that she was, she didn't reject this proposal outright because of the promise of England. She really needed that um, claim, or that, you know, granting as the heir in order to get herself out of these constant threats to her power that she was facing in Scotland. So then, of course, going back and forth as she did, Elizabeth withdrew the offer of Dudley because she did not want to lose the only man that she loved. So instead, Lord Darnley was suggested. I think the funny thing about this whole situation is nobody asked Dudley. Nobody asked! Like, she put that idea forward. Dudley was, like, horrified when he found out this, this suggestion, too, and he was the one that put... Lord Darnley instead in his place. Because, because he was like, why are you doing this, girl? Like, I'm your man. Like, why are you... And it was it's all... kind of insulting to yeah. him, honestly. Like, oh, you're willing to, like, give me up that easily? Like, who True. do you think I, I didn't even think about that. That is really embarrassing. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. Elizabeth just wasn't really hitting the ball in the head with that idea. It was just insulting to everyone. I mean, I guess the logic behind it was that she knew that Dudley would be loyal to her regardless. So she could control Mary through him. Exactly. Yeah, she wanted the way a way to control her power, and he was an outlet for that. Exactly. I feel like this is, like, a very, a, a very, uh, on the very long list of the times that Elizabeth saw herself as superior to Mary. Superior. Saw that she thought that she could control her in any way that she wanted. Mm-hmm. Which is just not true. You're Just both not queens. true. You're both yeah. Queens. You're both equals. So, we mentioned Lord Darnley, so let's, you know, get get into some uh, details about this. So, coming up strong, <laughs> he is Mary's first cousin. It was so, the 1500s! It was the 1500s! You know, that's, uh, f- like, we're talking first cousin. Like, yeah, that is her I'm cousin. Shocked. You know your cousin? You know that person that you're very closely related to? That was him to her. 
But let's just <laughs> let's just not think about that too hard. Um, so Lord Darnley was the grandson of Margaret Tudor from her second marriage to Archibald Douglas. Hey, at least they didn't have the same grandfather. Just True. the same grandfather. We're keeping it real, you know, separated. We I mean, that's pretty good it. for the 1500s, maybe. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so. Darnley had a claim to the English throne, slash he was the closest male to the throne, which is very high-ranking, obviously very fit for a queen. Mm -hmm. And Mary was obviously drawn to this match because he was royal, and both their claims to the English throne would make them the best candidates as Elizabeth's heir. So it just kind of made sense for the whole situation that Mary was kind of trying to build for herself into getting yeah. her power strengthened and less, you know, kind of threatened by all these people in Scotland. Mm-hmm. So the two met in February 1565 in the town of Fife, and at first sight, Mary was, she was feeling him. She was really attracted to him. She actually is quoted saying that he was the lustiest and best proportioned lang man, which means tall, she had ever seen. I mean, I could not, he was, he was six foot, I think. He was over six foot. And Mary was 5'11". She's towering over everyone at this point. Her last husband was like five inches shorter than her. So I could not imagine I would... I would be smitten too. I know. I would be smitten <laughs> yeah. to the floor. I think like the average head at this time is five eight for men. So like I would be like, okay, that's all I need to see. Exactly. Um, and it actually seemed like they were they were getting on pretty, pretty pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary was waiting on Elizabeth to confirm whether or not she would go through with her deal, and then Elizabeth said that she would only honor the deal if Mary waited until Elizabeth got married. Or if Elizabeth, until Elizabeth decided she didn't want to marry. Which was not the deal in the first yeah, place. She's so back and forth at this, this yeah, point. That's like, exactly it. You know, not to, not to drag her, but like, make up your mind, I mean, girl. Elizabeth is a girl boss too, we can't. Yeah, we can't we'll get into her in another episode. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, we can't get that twisted. But she is constantly going back on her word and I would just be so be frustrated so if I was married. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mary was furious. Obviously, she had been doing all this work to please Elizabeth. And this really caused a rift between the two queens. But Mary decided that she was going to marry Darnley anyways. And this really triggered the Protestant nobles, um, including Mary's brother James. And I think from here on the here on out throughout the episode, we're gonna refer to him as Moray, because he was the Earl of Moray. When Mary got to Scotland, she actually promoted him to that. So yeah, and the other Protestants that were really upset by this is this is a this is a hard word I think I should have looked this up before. <laughs> Shuttleheart. Shuttleheart. Mm, uh, we'll oh God. Okay, and Argyle, <laughs> and these three men, James Shuttleheart, I guess Argyle, <laughs> made a pact that they would not support a Catholic marriage. They claimed it was because of religion, but in reality, they feared that Darnley's family would get in, into court and replace them. And uh, it was it was all about power. They knew that their power was dwindling. Once Mary got, got a husband, she would have, you know, another male influence in her life, and she would have that, you know, voice in her ear, too. But Mary and Darnley's courtship was going well. They got along really well. They spent most of the days together. When Darnley got sick, Mary actually nursed him back to health Aww. by sending him food and spending all hours of the day with him, um, which is actually really uh, interesting because I feel like at that time, if she was with him at a certain 
late hour people would talk, but True. she did. So go good for go. her. But he was actually probably sick with uh, syphilis mm. from his time in England. That's just a precursor to his uh, personality his and attitude. later later actions. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's kind of dive into a little bit more Mary and Elizabeth drama that are going on at the time. So Mary actually sent an ambassador to England to ask Elizabeth for permission to marry Darnley, you know, being cordial, letting her know about this potential match. And Elizabeth freaked out when he arrived and demanded that Darnley and his family return to the English court and then she locked Darnley's mom <laughs> in the Tower of London. Like, Typical girl, Elizabeth. You know, Elizabeth, just Elizabeth thinks yeah, at this no, point. I like, can't blame her, but... Like, come on, girl. Like She was just very paranoid that something was going to happen to yeah, her. And, you know, that's She was right. a bit of an anxious mess at this point. Love her the most, but... Throughout like, her entire life, she yeah, was an anxious mess. Yeah. But, you know what, I think... When your father's Henry VIII, I think it's I would justified. be too, yeah. if I'm being honest. So, despite... All of this opposition, Mary wrote to the Pope requesting a papal dispensation, um, and she also had to raise Darnley's standing in Scottish nobility, so she knighted him and made him the Earl of Ross. Yeah, a papal dispensation is uh, basically when you're within a certain amount, I think it's when you're within fifth cousins, you have to write to the Pope and ask him to um, allow you to get married oh my because God. goes against the Bible to marry somebody that close to your family. Oh God! I don't even know why papal dispensations are a thing when every everyone's monarch, marrying their cousin. Yeah, everyone like, was marrying. Within he was probably cousin. like signing those things left and yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> he was not even reading. He's, He's like, all right, right check, check next one, check, next check. one. It's so funny. Oh my God! <laughs> so um, now Mary and Darnley are engaged. And Darnley began to show his true colors only three months into this engagement, so he didn't waste any time. Um, (laughs) Mary actually promised to make Darnley the Duke of Albany, which is a title reserved for Scottish royalty, but she wanted to wait to see Elizabeth's reaction to their engagement. I mean, I would too. With all the shit she's been put through by Elizabeth, I'm like, girl, you're going to have to sit here and, like, take this because she was tired. But um, when he heard the news, he drew his dagger on the messenger, being a little overdramatic, if you ask me. <laughs> Men. Men, am I right? Darnley is like the... Epitome of, of like, like, toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Oh my I mean, God. let's get into it. But <laughs> anyway, Mary began to pretty much hate Darnley at this point, but she really had no way of getting out of it without looking like Elizabeth's pawn. It was just a really bad situation for her to be in because she realized that, like... This is going to be a marriage of convenience at this point. I mean, things were going well. She obviously was physically attracted to him. She was attracted to his his power. And it seemed like up until this point, it could be kind of a more loving marriage than most were at this time. But this just changed everything. Um, so after this, Darnley demanded to be crowned King of Scotland, which, big surprise, didn't see that one coming. Yeah. And uh, this was, like, right as they got married, and Mary never did Girl slay. Boss. So instead, he was king consort, but he did not have crown matrimonial as Francis did. But her and Mary would rule jointly. So then, after this tumultuous engagement, they were finally married on July 26th, 29th, pardon, of 1565. 
So Darnley, again, you know, being toxic man vibes, showed up for the vows and then left during the nuptial mass. I would literally kill my husband. I would be so embarrassed. Like, it's embarrassing. Exactly, it is embarrassing. And this is, like, mind you, this was in front of hundreds of people. Like, nobles. Like, everybody was there to witness this marriage. Like, you couldn't even just be nice for one day. Exactly. One day. Your wedding day. Well, four days, actually. Because (laughs) this wedding, it was massive. There was four days of parties banquets celebrations so the scottish people were generally happy because they didn't really know what was going on on the inside i mean well they were also happy too because marriage means an heir which means stability but they needed um, that at this point when i was like one thing i noticed while like researching was the fact that this wedding is glossed over so fast like when you read about mary's marriage to francis there's details on what she wore what jewels she wore exactly what people said about how beautiful she was and then when you read about this marriage it's just like yeah they got married he left that's it that's it we're done but uh yeah even though this was like a very this marriage i mean altered her life completely i think if i could go back in time i would be be like like, no no, please don't do it don't do it I wish I could speak to her, yeah. So, uh, Mary's brother, remember how he was not too keen on a a Catholic marriage and he made a pact that he would not support a Catholic marriage? Well, Darnley was Catholic, so Murray, or James, we're gonna call him Murray from now on because there's too many Jameses, um, (laughs) refused to attend the celebrations and left court in protest. He then, this sneaky little, little snake that he is, went to England and asked for help, quote-unquote, protecting the Protestant faith, when in reality, he was really upset at his loss of influence in court. Uh, Mary outlawed him in August 1565 and confiscated all his lands. Uh, She raised troops against Moray, and she left Glasgow with 5,000 men, and this became known as the chase about rebellion because there was no actual fighting it was just chasing it was just chasing james across across uh scotland and she was the one doing the chasing oh yeah she was with her men so slay she led her own troops it was said that she wore a pistol around her waist while riding girl boss yeah literally and on august 31st moray arrived in edinburgh with around 1200 men and the rebels really expected the people to join them, but there was absolutely no support for them because it was clear that Mary was not going to change the way that religion worked in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, she was popular among the people, and she reinstated the decree that Protestantism would be the official religion of Scotland. So they didn't feel a need to rebel whatsoever, and... James knew that his troops were no match for Mary, so he fled to England. This was a big success for Mary, and this was actually the height of her power. I mean, I could only imagine, like, she led, you know, her troops against the rebellion, and she was a woman, so... And what's she, like, 20 at this point? Like... I don't even... Uh, yeah, I think she's, like, around that age. Like, that's that crazy. That is insane. Like, imagine, yeah. like, us doing that. It would be horrible. <laughs> I mean, I, that would be, like, horrendous. I wouldn't even <laughs> no, know what I'd to be, do. like, crying on my horse, like, bawling my eyes out. Um, after their victory, Mary and Darnley returned to court and life as usual, but Darnley's vanity and desire for power was really, really starting to come out. Sadly, but not too sadly, I guess, because Mary couldn't do anything because she was pregnant and she knew that 
he fathered an heir really quick, so that she couldn't. He got the job done. He got the job done exactly. <laughs> she she couldn't do much. Um, but also he was sleeping around with multiple men and women, mm. one of which being Mary's private secretary and best friend David Rizzio. We'll get into him mm-hmm. a bit more. And Darnley was really trying to play the game of politics, but he had no clue what he was doing. Like absolutely no no clue. Um, he was playing both sides. He was Catholic, but he would attend uh, John Knox's sermons. Oh and he was sort of trying to see which way would, you know, benefit him the most. Also, how offensive of him to attend oh, yeah. John Knox's... Like, the man who is publicly putting his wife to shame. And he shows up. Yeah. Like, that is so... Like, this man just consistently embarrassed Mary time after time after time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like... <laughs> Um, he realized, though, that being a devout, I put that, and I have finger quotes that you can't see because he was not devout mm-hmm. at all, but being a devout Catholic would make him one of the great Catholic kings of Europe, and that's when he decided he wanted to push that narrative, that he was this great Catholic Catholic dude, but he wasn't. He wasn't really religious at all, yeah. but... He began trying to restore mass in Scotland, which was a slap in the face to all the work that Mary did to, you know, make the Protestants feel comfortable. And this forced Mary to really distance herself from Catholicism. She couldn't be seen going to mass and, you know, being as religious as she was. She was a religious woman, but she didn't want to make the Protestants in her country scared that something would happen to them. Um, Mary did not react well to Darnley's desire for power. I mean, originally, Mary and Darnley jointly ruled, but he expected her to give him all the power because he was the man in the relationship. He, uh, toxic masculinity again, but... Mary was like, no, that's not going to happen. So she's the queen, dude. Yeah, he has... it together. He has no claim to the Scottish throne whatsoever. So, like, what is he even on? Um... But yeah, Mary actually demoted Darnley so in December 1565. As she should. She changed it from His Majesty the King to the Queen's <laughs> husband. Oh my god, that is perfect. And I know. Their names were switched around in official documents. So hers came first and his came second. And then she also stripped him of his royal titles. Love her the most. Oh, yeah. Love her the most. Girl boss. Like, I know we keep saying that, but that's what it is. I can't think of any other word that perfectly encapsulates (laughs) it. I know. She also refused to give Darnley the crown matrimonial, which is what he wanted so desperately. And this led him and his family to plot against Mary to find a way to get the crown matrimonial against her will. At the same time, Parliament was starting a new session, and a lot of Scottish lords wanted to prevent this new session from meeting, because if they did, they knew that they would have to strip Moray and all the other rebels of their lands. And they didn't want to do this because Catholics and Protestants both didn't want to do this, because they didn't want to set the precedence that if you are uh, causing trouble, you can just get your lands taken away. So there was a plot between the Scottish lords... Um, both Protestant and Catholic, and the Lennox Stuarts, which is Darnley's family. The plan was that Darnley would seize control of the government and pardon the rebels if they in turn grant him the crown matrimonial. And they needed somebody to blame for Darnley's attempts to push the country back to Catholicism. And David Rizzio was their perfect scapegoat, the guy we talked about before. Mm-hmm. So let's give some kind of background on David Rizzio and who he was. So he was from Turin, Italy, 
and he was actually sent to Scottish court on a diplomatic mission in 1561. He eventually stayed and found work as a musician in Scottish court, and Mary immediately took a really strong liking to him. Um, The two of them became very close, and Mary actually promoted him to be her private secretary. So as we were kind of talking before about this sort of plan to make David Rizzio the scapegoat, um, the plan was essentially to say that Rizzio was a papal spy who seduced Mary and led Darnley to promote Catholicism. This is so funny. It's ridiculous. <laughs> because Mary's not the one that slept with Dar- with um, Rizzio. It was it's Darnley. Darnley. Like, are you kidding, yeah. dude? They also wanted to say that um, a lot of, they wanted to spread the rumors that the child that Mary had was actually Rizzio's. Oh my god. And they were just pulling things out of a hat oh, at this point. Yeah, I mean, there was no like logic to this, I feel like. Grab some popcorn because we're about to get into it. Into mm-hmm. it. Um, <laughs> so this is this is their plan in motion. On March 9th, 1566, at 8pm, the conspirators entered Mary's chambers where she was having dinner with Rizzio and her other friends. They demanded that Rizzio step forward, but he was immediately, like, terrified, and he stood behind Mary, gripping her dress, which is so sad. I feel like we need, like, suspenseful music. Like, this is, I'm getting, like, anxiety, right? Oh, God, yeah. This is so sad. If you really want to, like, see the details, check out the movie Mary, Queen of Scots, (laughs) because it's a very graphic depiction of what happened to this poor guy. Yes. Um, Mary demanded that the conspirators leave or that they would be charged with treason, but they refused, and commotion broke out, and Rizzio was stabbed in the back while he was holding on to Mary. She said that it was so close to her that she felt the coldness of the iron. terrifying. Could you imagine? She's, like, heavily pregnant. She is six months pregnant at this point. And can we also talk about how when she said that they would be charged with treason if they didn't leave... If she were a man, oh. those guys would have fled the area. Like, I clear the way. I don't want to be charged. They were so, like, not threatened by her. Yeah. Solely based off the fact that she was a woman. They did not take her power seriously. It's not they even They did not that. listen to her. Like, they this would have never happened to Elizabeth. Her. No, you're so no, right. You're this would so not have happened to Elizabeth. Right, it's just Mary. Because I feel like in Scotland, it was, like, pretty, like, feudal and, like... Just a medieval yeah. in a way compared to England. Mary's was just not respected in the same way. It's so sad. So um, Darnley grabbed Mary and held her as another conspirator held a pistol to her pregnant her stomach. Pregnant, like how evil? How yeah. evil? And the fact that her husband is just sitting there, like, all right, and oh he knows that's God. his kid. Well, he thinks that they, they convinced him that it wasn't, but uh, air quotes. <sighs> Um, Rizzio ended up being stabbed 56 times, and Darnley's dagger was the last to be put into his body, body to signify his commitment to the plot. What an... Just, I'm sorry, what an ass. Like, what an ass. Could you imagine being Mary and seeing your best friend stabbed 56 times right in front of your face? I, like, would literally, like, crawl into my room and cry for the rest of my life oh. and never leave. The, it's said that... The floor in Hollywood Palace, where she was, is still stained with... Red with blood. Yeah. Like, like that's... That's insane. It's insane. Like, I and, like I, I know I keep saying this, but, like, she's, like, in her early 20s, guys. Like, yeah. her early 20s. Imagine going through this shit at that age. Like, I... 
I, like, cry when I, like, spill food on the floor. Like, I just, I can't, I can't. Mary was then locked alone in her room, unallowed to see her four Marys. Um, she knew she had to fool Darnley, so she pretended that she was going into early labor, and this terrified Darnley because he didn't have the crown matrimonial yet, and if Mary were to die in childbirth or if the child died, he would have no standing in court. So he allowed for her Marys to join her. When they returned, she sent them with letters to her loyal supporters explaining the situation and asking for aid. And Mary was kept under lock and key, and Moray the Re- and the rebels came back to court. When Mary heard that uh, her brother, Moray, returned, she asked to see him, and when she told him the events of the night, he started weeping. Like, this grown man. But it's, like, your fault, too. Like, he was in on this plot. I know. I hate that guy. I hate all the men in her life. Like, they all are just terrible. Besides Francis King. (laughs) We love him. We love him. The rest, just, like, ugh. But Mary was extremely intelligent, and everyone knew it except for Darnley. So Mary um, told Darnley that she she would agree to pardon the rebels and... um, everyone involved in this plot and Darnley thought that this coup was a success but Mary was extremely intelligent and everyone knew it except for Darnley everyone warned him do not listen to her until she signed something in paper saying that she would agree to this and um he didn't listen to that and they were completely right because Mary convinced Darnley that the lords would not accept him as king because he was catholic and so she told him, they're not going to keep their promises, so you don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. And she persuaded him to escape with her to Dunbar that night. Mary convinced the lords to let her go with the excuse that she would miscarry if she didn't get different air, which is like, <laughs> how is that logical? But I guess I guess that's a thing. I mean, she has to do what she has to do. Like, yeah. she's slaying the game right now. They rode to Dunbar on horseback, and they arrived to Mary's loyal supporters, Bothwell, the guy from the beginning, and Huntley, who were already raising troops. Fun fact, they were actually in the castle when this happened, and they heard the commotion and, like, fleed. (laughs) And then they received letters. Such strong men. Such masculine, strong men. Mary's there gripping the guy, getting stabbed in the back and getting guns held to her pregnant stomach, and she's, like, the one with, like, no power and that's, like, weak, and these guys are fleeing the scene. Oh, (sighs) my God. Like, the jokes write themselves. But, uh, she had troops, she had supporters, she had money, and... On March 18th, she entered Edinburgh with her troops and fortified herself in Edinburgh Castle. She had to do this because she was days away from giving birth. Like, mm-hmm. she was, she was like she a month away. She wholly pregnant. Like, yeah. stupidly pregnant at this point. Yeah. Oh, and did I mention that entire time they were riding to Dunbar Castle, she, they were riding on horseback and she was obviously heavily pregnant and she had to dismount multiple times and vomit. And then get back up and ride. Oh, my God. Like, this girl is so strong. She has been through it. Oh, yeah. But, again, on March 18th, she entered Edinburgh with her troops and fortified herself in Edinburgh Castle. She really had to play the political game on this one. She knew that she had to separate these um, lords into different factions to weaken their power. So she offered pardons to everyone involved in the chase about raid as long as they don't interfere with the prosecution of those involved in the murder of Rizzio. 
Darnley, this dumbass, sorry. <laughs> Let's tell how it is. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I know. He tried to deny his involvement by saying that the only thing he did wrong was inviting the exiled rebels back to court. Oh my, like, bitch, please. Yeah. And, but Mary Murray was not allowed, about to let him get away with this because he said, nope, I have receipts. He and pulled out the receipts. He no, pulled literally. out the receipts and she was presented, Mary was presented with the bonds stating that the conspirators would A, murder Rizzio and would give Darnley the crown of matrimonial. And both of these bonds were signed with his signature, confirming his treachery. Mm-hmm. But Mary persevered because by April 1566, she was back in complete control. So as we mentioned before, Mary was very pregnant through this whole trip. And then finally, on June of 1566, Mary went into her confinement, which is essentially when a woman is secluded in her chambers in order to prepare for childbirth. So her baby was born on June 19th of 1566 after a long and very difficult birth. But Mary stayed humorous through it all like a little cordial queen she is. She even joked that if she had known how painful childbirth would be, she wouldn't have gotten married. Which I don't even... There are more than one reason why yeah. she shouldn't have gotten married. <laughs> no. Like, it doesn't end there, yeah. but... I just could not imagine, like, no medicine. Like, wh- how... No epidurals? Like, no. no. You're just like, giving birth in a bed. Like, like raw birth. Like, I could raw, not... Like, I could... And this is, like, the least, like, traumatizing thing she's gone through. That's so, like, that's so true. Like, that is insane. But anyway... Her son, James, was a healthy, beautiful baby boy, and now there was an heir to the Scottish throne. Slay! Slay, and the plot thickens. Oh, yes. So, I think that's that, a, yeah. That's a good place to end it. I, I mean, if the murder of Rizzio wasn't crazy enough for you, just wait, because... Just, and we're so sorry to have to break it into three parts, but, like, guys... This woman's life... It would be, like, a five-hour-long podcast. I know. No one wants to sit through that, and her life is just so, like, full of insane twists and turns that it wouldn't do her justice to try to fit it all into one part, so we are going to have to split it into, hopefully, one, one last part I of think her life. I think one last part I think we good. can do it. Yeah. So, also, if you guys want to check out some more content mm-hmm. that we have, we actually made an Instagram account. It's at History Queens Pod And a TikTok under the same name. Yeah, and we post more content about Mary, and about... Relating to our podcast. Yeah, our podcast. Like some fun content on TikTok. It's just a fun time. Yeah. A very fun time. <laughs> so, please check those out if you're really liking the content that we're making And yeah, we really love the support and we can't wait to see you guys in the next part on Mary, Queen of Scots. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you in part three. Bye.